John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Uh, how are you doing today, John? I am good. Ready to talk about the third trial. Great. Yeah, I am looking forward to talking about this. Last time we finished up a kind of high-level discussion of the second trial, which we decided is going to be a kind of puzzle. And uh, now we have gotten to the point where uh, Tim has been told by Zoya that um, he has to do something much more drastic for the third and final trial. He has to kill someone. And I think we mentioned last time that uh, when Zoya shows up to tell him this news, she's going to bring somebody new with her, right? A club rep um, who is more elder than her. Uh, and who he assumes is judging his performance, right? That's right. And so let's, uh, for simplicity, we'll stick with Tim's perspective. Right. So in his mind, he, by sheer persistence and blackmail, managed to start uh, completing these trials to get into this club, and he, he beat the first trial, and he beat the second trial, and now he's seeing someone more senior than Zoya feels like an indication that he's on the right track and he's being delivered the third and final task. So if you're Tim, you've got to be feeling pretty good right now, I think. Um, maybe a little nervous about whether you can do this task. And then, of course, when he hears it, uh, that's going to be a different story altogether as well. Uh, because, as we've said many times on the show... Right. Uh, that third task is to find a way in a constellation where death is purely optional uh, to actually kill someone. Right. So it has obviously intense moral uh, weight, even maybe more than killing someone in our world today has, because uh, this is a person whose potential lifespan they have ahead of them is, is basically unlimited. So uh, he would he would understand that and he would realize that this was a very serious undertaking. Um, but like we've talked about, I mean, this guy's obsessed with getting into this club and he's also in really deep at this point. He's already very committed. He's already kind of put himself out there and put himself into this position. And, um, he's certainly going to struggle with it, but I think, um, you know, the central question of the story is not, is he or is he not going to do it? The question is basically, is he going to succeed? I mean, we're going to we're going to endeavor to kind of make the the narrative work such that you are um, somewhat uneasily rooting for him, I think, in this moment. Sure. And I think, you know, it's important that he take pains to, you know, find a victim that he can feel more okay about. Right. Right? I mean... Uh, well, he's definitely going to try to find, like, a sort of deserving victim. And he's going to have trouble doing that, right? I mean, I think that's an interesting sort of philosophical question, like, who does deserve to be killed? Well, like, the best victim, like, if I was faced with this situation, it seems like it would be a suicide case, right? Someone who, like, a volunteer, basically, like, someone who wants to die and you're doing them a favor. Uh Right. You know, if that, you can find someone who wants to die but also won't do the simple things it would take to kill themselves, right? Yeah, it seems like that would be a tough person to just find. Right. Uh we may 
even have him try to find that person and fail, or we may skip that altogether for some reason. I'm not sure if we want to take time out of the script to show that. Right. Um, but def- definitely, like, you know, if it were me, that would be my first, like, and I felt like I had no other choice but to do the task. Uh, um, then that would be where my head was at at the beginning. Right, right. It reminds me of that cannibal guy in Germany, right? Like, that guy who wanted to be eaten or something. So he took out Nad looking for someone who would eat right, him. Right, right. It was one of those things where, like, you know, someone wanted to eat someone, someone wanted to be eaten. It was, you know, it was, in a way, a consensual cannibalism yeah, <laughs> experiment, it, I guess. It was a, I mean, you know, a, a you can have arguments. Uh, a Craigslist fairy tale, but also very illegal. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is, like, you know, there's plenty of arguments to be had about whether, you know, you can consent to something like that meaningfully. Uh, I mean, I guess, I, I would think, you know, I, I don't know, we've talked to something we've talked about on the review review the future podcast long before this that we you know believe in a right to die you know if people want to die they should be allowed to but um you know there are reasons why you have to sort of would have to prove that you're of sound mind and like understand what that means when you're asking for it i don't know it's a fraught area right arguably just the fact that you're asking someone to kill and eat you uh is evidence against your soundness of mind (laughs) yeah this is not someone who's like i have like terminal uh, cancer and I just want to go out easy. Yeah, so or even really bad depression or something. Yeah, I mean it's definitely yeah. uh, it's like a, almost like a kink or something. Um, but anyway, I don't know. It just reminds me of that. Like, yeah, you could, I guess, find somebody who is out there who like, um, like the villain in uh, uh, Ichi the Killer. You know, just wants to find someone who will kill him. <laughs> you know, like that's all he wants. He doesn't want to commit suicide himself. He wants someone else to do the killing, but that's just what he really wants, you know, but probably that person's really hard to find. And we don't think that Tim is going to find that person. I mean, our, uh, where we're going is not that he finds this needle in the haystack and successfully kills the guy and joins the club. Right. That's not, <laughs> that's not where the story is going. Well, so, and it's, it's important to recognize too, that like, this senior club rep here is really running the show right now, right? I mean, right. this is sort of like the behind the curtain reality, but right, this person is now kind of taking over where we've had Zoya uh, sort of reluctantly manipulating him. Um, now that's no longer really the case. She's kind of all in, and and this club rep is really calling the shots. Well, she might still be reluctant, but he's not reluctant. But she's committed, right? I guess. Like she might be reluctant in her mind, I guess. But she's at this point, she can't really pull out because um, she's told them about this guy, or they found out about this guy through their uh, methods, and um, you know, she's in trouble with them if she kind of doesn't go along, right? Yeah, they have leverage, and because the club has leverage, I wonder even if that applies here. Uh, just on the surface level uh, to Tim. In other words, does Tim in this moment actually do the moral thing even for a moment and say no? Um, or I need to think about it or just show on his face that he's hesitating? And does is there even room for him to say no? Like, Or is, you know what I mean? Like what would at this point, you know, the club rep even do if he tried to say no? Um, or would that be met by a sort of counter, a counter threat of some kind? See, I feel Um, like the smart move for them, I mean, you got to kind of game this out from their perspective, but the smart move for them to me is if he starts to say no, convince him to go along with it. 
you know, help him, give him a suggestion of how he might do it. Um, tell him a story about how you went through it and it wasn't so bad. Um, uh, you know, manipulate him because I, he's still very manipulable, I think from their perspective, but if they just let him go off, uh, then he has, you know, information that they don't want to get out that he could give out. Um, I feel like Zoya, you know, her, her motivation might be different. She might want him to walk away at this point. She might feel like, you know, it would be in his best interest to walk away at this point. Um, so maybe she, uh, is a little half hearted in her, uh, execution of the plan in some way. Uh, but she also, like we said, has leverage over her by the club. So she's not going to do anything to defy them too openly. Um, but I would think this club rep, um, observer character, uh, would be pretty convincing, um, you know, in his, uh, or her, uh, attempts to get uh, Tim to stick with the plan. Um, and uh, the other thing I'm thinking is that like I, uh, this trial might take a while to uh, execute because you are going to pretend, I mean the way that we've figured it out, I'm jumping ahead a little here, but the way that we figured it out, he's going to have to sort of infiltrate uh, a society. So that is going to take at least weeks, if not longer to do. Um, so I kind of feel like it's not that they, if he hesitates, I think that they, they, they are fine with that. This is a long game they're playing, you know, but they're not going to just give up because he hesitates. They're going to say, okay, we'll think about it. And then, you know, continue to push him or help him or cajole him or whatever into doing it. Well, and I wonder if we can have uh VO in this moment. I mean, our voiceover earlier is, grounded in a particular scene where he's defending his worldview to someone possibly at the family reunion. Uh, Do we leave ourselves open to give voice over here? Because, you know, it would help, I think to show, for example, that Tim, because I, and I will go ahead and jump forward here. I mean, the ultimate plan that he's going to settle on one we've discussed already as one of the viable plans, if you needed to kill someone is to infiltrate a naturalist world that right. has naturalist rules where death applies and people live by those rules on purpose because they want to live in that environment. Um, you know, you could imagine him saying, okay, this would work. I'm going to go to this naturalist community and just kind of feel things out. But in his head, he still hasn't really committed, right? right he doesn't right, actually right. believe he's going to go through with it. Right. And, uh, you could, if we, if we have the power to show voiceover, I think we could, we could sell that where like his actions are that he's taking steps towards the crime, right, but right. his like internal dialogue is basically, uh, constantly making excuses for himself. Like, oh, I'm just, you know, seeing what's possible. Right. Right. Or he's still looking for that perfect victim or he's, he's, he's lying to himself in some way. He's justifying his actions. And because we see the irony between what he's thinking and what he's doing, we get that, you know, he's what he's doing is more indicative of sort of where he's going than what he's thinking, which I think is true of people and, you know, uh, psychologically feels right. Um, so, yeah, I like that idea. Uh, as far as our rules for voiceover, I mean, uh, I think we can figure it out. Yeah, I think we can find find a way to get away with that because I think that's going to be useful. Um 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll either figure out somebody that he can be telling this to, um, or we'll, I mean, I'm also totally fine with us just having consistent, um, you know, access to his thoughts whenever we want them. Totally. I I, I think that's a power of comic book medium and I don't think we should just give it up unless there's some, you know, unless it's leading us down a a bad path or something, but I I, I wouldn't operate assume that that's bad. Um, I'm fine with that. The question. So I, I, this is a question I don't feel the need to answer definitively right now, but I'll just flag it Uh is, is he pointed in the right direction? by the club rep at all like this idea that he ends up yeah like is that totally his idea or is he like either directly nudged in that direction or you know maybe incepted more subtly um by the club rep to go in that direction i don't know i don't i mean i like the idea that he comes up with it just because again the more we agency we can give him i think the more Right. I think you can sort of get the same effect either way if he runs his idea by them, uh, by Zoya and by extension, the club rep, um, the observer. So like, you know, it it could be that he comes up with the idea of doing it. And this is maybe his third or fourth idea of how to do this, you know, and uh, and tells them and they they say that could work Um, or it could be. Uh, you know, that he's despairing and he can't figure out how to do it. And one of them nudges him a little bit. I don't, I don't mind that. I understand what the value of that is for us, but, um, but they're, they're uh, walking a very tight uh, sort of rope too, I think, because they don't want their, their, you know, their prey is, is intelligent and they don't want him to get away. So, uh, you know, they are, they're running a scam on him too, and they have to make sure that their scam um, works. So, yeah, I think it's I think that's an interesting question. I agree. We don't need to completely answer it right now, um, but I think we should consider consider that that he either shares his plans with them or and gets some encouragement, or that they actually plant some part of the idea in his head uh, at some point. Now we. Something I did want to ask that I I sort of tried to ask this earlier, but I realized I didn't sort of make it pointed enough. Mm -hmm. Um, When I asked about them having leverage over him, the reason that's important is it changes the moral character of this somewhat if he feels like under threat, right? Like, in other words, like if, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like if he can walk away and nothing bad will happen to him, uh, then it's a more of a transgression if he decides to kill rather than yeah if a mob boss says to you like here's a gun you need to go kill someone it's different than like you know the cool kid just hands you a gun and says you need to go kill someone right 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 because the The implication in the first scenario is like it might be you you do this or or you're the one that dies Right. right um so i don't know like how he how we want to change that interaction Right. I mean, I guess it lets Tim off the hook a little bit if we make it uh, threatening. Although that those kinds of threats can be subtle, of course. Like right, sort of right. Well, and I also think that the kind of the threat that Tim is aware of is sort of the um, the threat that Zoya is under, which is like if you don't do this, you're not going to get into the club. Basically, you'll be on the outs with the club. I think Zoya is facing like a bigger threat than that, right? Like I think. 
I mean, uh, this is all off-screen stuff that we might get later, but I'm imagining that, I mean, because Zoya messed up so badly, right? I mean, she, like, gave away, like, the club location, and then she, like, cheated on, like, her second task, which maybe they kind of admire that part, actually. But uh, Yeah, my um, my impression is that's not against the rules, that, like, you know, solve the problem however you can. We like novelty. Is, is sure, I, I that that's funny, and but I'm fine I, but with that. But I definitely that. think giving out the lobby is a terrible transgression that can get you banned for life, for sure, from the club, if not you know, something worse than that. I don't know what worse. I mean, I guess you could get blacklisted from club related things or something that well, no, that's the thing I'm talking about is, is, is I think that they have a lot more leverage than just banning you from the club. Right. I mean, if we imagine them as, I mean, we don't have to go this route with them, but it's, we've talked about this before. If they're like a sort of a pretty vast organization in terms of their influence. Right. I mean, they have, they have roots. uh, Very. Yeah. Yeah, so they have tendrils everywhere, so, like, maybe they can just, like, shut down all your money at Money World. Maybe they can, like, ban you from, like, the five biggest cities (laughs) completely, right? Like, I mean, at this point in the story, like, cities are, like, a thing, right? I mean, we've got, like, when we did our timeline, Mm -hmm. like, there's been a lot of world consolidation. In fact, I think we said there's, like, a Pepsi and a Coke city, right? Like, they're not literally called that, but there's, like, kind of a, a duopoly of, like, two really major cities, um, that, you know, a lot of people live in. And, you know, if you just got fully banned from that, um, yeah, I mean, it's a constellation where you can always go off on your own and start a world and have enough to eat and, you know, you'll be fine. But if you are truly like right. banned, but it could be like you're banned from worlds that, you know, your, your family is often in and stuff like that. Like you could, it could be a, it, it could be a real cost. It wouldn't be like death. But it'd be a real cost. Well, and her parents could be wrapped up in this too, right? If her parents, if we stick with the idea that her parents run Almanac World, which is like a like one of the major like major right. directories of worlds, the and club they rely could like on, retaliate against Almanac World or something. Yeah, if they rely on gathering information from people, uh, you know, to to grow their directory, for example, and the club could sort of interfere with that process and like shut off their information. Yeah. Or give like, all source. of the information to a competitor and try to push all their traffic over to an alternate world or something, you know, you could really, yeah. If you wanted to, because the parents have this sort of empire that they care about. If you wanted to screw with Zoya, I think the thing you do is threaten the parents empire. Uh, I think you could say that the club can influence people to, you know, not go to that world and to go to a different almanac world that is currently like losing the battle and help that one win the battle. And I, you know, I, I do really, I'm excited to put this layer in the story. I got to say, cause it's like, um, you know, it allows us to like blow up the size of the world and show like the larger power struggles that play in the constellation, the larger power centers, the larger intrigue. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question in my mind is like, I think that that is all happening in the Zoya plot line. Yeah. But does it ever need to enter the Tim plot line directly? Maybe not. Maybe not. Right? Yeah. I'm not sure that it does. Well, then let's push past that, I guess. But then like, just sort of say like, that's a, that's a possibility. Right. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, I, I think the main use case of that is if we just feel like we're not able to sell this guy turning towards murder, then we can kind of uh, let him off the hook a little bit. If we like, threaten him in this way or something or make him feel threatened. But, um, I'm not sure that that's necessary. 
uh, if we do our if we do our like groundwork right. Right, um, right. And he can feel some pressure that we maybe get with the voiceover or something. But I think the main thing is that, you know, if he doesn't do this, he's not going to get what he truly wants. And as much as he realizes this is wrong to do, he also has a feeling that he can pull it off. So it does seem possible. And um, he thinks, well, you do one wrong thing and then you get what you want. And then, you know you don't have to do any more wrong things. And he just decides to do it. Um, I think that that's, uh, you know, what I think that's the journey we want to take the character on, um, especially considering where we're going. So he, he finds a naturalist world then. Yeah. And there's probably more than one of these, but he finds a big one. Maybe it's common knowledge. Maybe he heard about it from a relative. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, we've talked about the fact that one of his relatives might be a naturalist, mm-hmm. so that might even be an in for him somehow. I'm not. I'm not sure. That's again. That's a level of detail I'm not sure about. But mm-hmm. he he does have to join the community, and we've talked about how it is a religion. It wants to grow. New members are good, right? Like most churches, if you it's show definitely going to let in new people. Yeah, I don't think that a naturalist world is a world that's very suspicious of newcomers because why would you even go to this world that's dangerous to go to if you're not at least somewhat interested in what they have to say? Right, unless they'd have some like past uh, problem with uh, with like with infiltration, harassers or tourists or something of yeah. some kind, uh, which seems you know possible, but like I think they'd have like the bare minimum sort of filter in place. Um, but mostly like joining would mean like, you know, you don't have a lot of privileges right away and we're just, you know, you need to learn what we're all about. You need to like figure out how we do things here, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like like an initiate to any religion or cultural group, you know, you're not going to have a lot of status. And one thing about these naturalist worlds is that they restrict your ability to just, um, you know, conjure whatever you want from your exec. Uh, so you have to, you know, you have to like work if you want money or firewood or meat to eat or whatever, you know, and you're going to actually feel hungry and get sick if you don't eat. And, uh, because that's the, those are the settings of the world. So you have to, uh, you know, all of a sudden you have to pay attention to your natural needs, which you're not used to doing if you're this guy. And you also have to um, deal with the sort of society that's there, the religious society. Well, and it's funny, like, it, it's a question, like, how far they take that, right? Because, um, you know, they have to intervene somewhat to set up those rules because those aren't, very noticeably, those are not the defaults, right? The defaultism is a different thing altogether. So they have designed- Right, they're trying to, like, architect the most naturalistic thing, Right, which means that all of none of it is actually that natural because it's all somewhat architected. So they're, they're, that's the sort of the paradox at the heart of it. I mean, originally, the reason I'm bringing this up is originally I was imagining, you know, it's like a little village. I, for some reason, I'm imagining, too, that they live in a sort of like this isn't. I mean, I guess there's no reason it has to be this way, but it, I'm not picturing naturalism as being, you know, naturalism uh in a city in america 2021 i'm picturing it as like you know sort of a 
like a small village community. Right. No, I agree. It would be more of a bucolic uh, kind of, uh, you know, um, historical ideal, small, um, small human settlement sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It just seems like that's where they would trend towards. Like, I'm not saying they wouldn't have, you know, they might have like a computer or two or things that they remembered from before the transition. I mean, those are legitimate parts of the natural world. I mean, they're not literal Amish, um, but right, right. I I'm do- not assuming that they have horse-drawn carriages necessarily, but I like the idea that they have, yeah, like a sort of smaller, smaller scale in which they live, and that aesthetically, the same kind of person that is drawn to naturalism or that is. Uh, inspired to start a naturalist religion is also the kind of person who might aesthetically like things like log cabins and, you know, circular gardens that are shared among everyone who lives around them. And, you know, the kinds of sort of uh, uh, things that were popular with, uh, with farming era humans. Um, Right. And they might be involved in like farming itself, I would think, right? Because they're, you know, they're trying to provide food for each other. They're trying to do it again according to these old rules. Well, they might have an aversion to to some kinds of conjuring, I guess, right? Because, I mean, this is... Right. Uh, I'm sort of digging into the details of how their religion might work here, but, um, you know, it might be considered more uh, pious to conjure things closer to their source materials. So, right, right, you right. Know, you know, you can conjure... You can't really conjure a house because that's kind of cheating, but you right. could conjure a forest and then chop down trees and build a house. Right. Uh, because that's, you know, I mean, you still conjured a whole forest, so it's they're splitting hairs in a way depending on how you look at it. But maybe from their point of view, uh, there's something about well, maybe you know, they starting... think you can conjure a big forest every hundred years or something, but, you know, maybe they limit themselves in some way, or maybe only elders can conjure a forest and everybody else has to log their wood from the elders' forest, or I don't know. I don't know exactly what we want to do, but I, I like the idea that they have limits and that these limits are somewhat arbitrary but are enforced by their religion. Yeah, and I think, you know, there might just be an argument, too, that, you know, if you conjure a house, it's something, it's like the default house from the library, you know, and then depending on, like, what descriptors you add to it. Um, you know, if you conjure a forest and, you know, it makes the house that you build out of that forest inherently more unique, right? I mean, if you start, the smaller the parts, you building blocks you start from, right, the more it's something that you kind of made and the less it's something that the exec make. Maybe. I mean, this is what a priest I mean, that sounds like a religious (laughs) philosophy. Sure. I'm not sure I totally agree with it, but I I understand that somebody might have that I'm trying to channel what their their own arguments might be. Uh, Something like that. Anyways, Mm -hmm. I do think it would be funny that if, like, because originally in my head he was, like, going to get assigned a hut or something to live in if he was like, no, you got to build your own shelter. Like, that's step one. (laughs) And he's like, what? Right, right. (laughs) Um... Yeah, that it's so, like yes. a disgrace in this society to like live in someone else's hut, you know? So like you can do that when you get there, but it's the first thing you got to do is build your own place. Yeah, I, I like stuff like that. I think making it weird, you know, like it, like I'm just imagining this is a world that like some charismatic guy started in the first couple of years after the the transition and he was just obsessed with, you know, his own dumb ideas about nature uh, like natural fallacy type stuff and uh was completely allowed to implement those ideas without any 
you know, not anyone stopping him. And then, uh, you know, uh, people joined this religion and started to have their own influence on it. And it's been, you know, however many years since, 75 years since. So I, I think that that, it could be really weird, you know? I mean, it could just be, it could have very unique, specific um, obsessions, the way that isolated societies like that often do. Well, and it could also be not just about pursuing the natural the way that we see it now, but pursuing, but rebellion, right? We've talked about this, right? This is an act of rebellion against the constellation. The constellation is saying, have it your way. You can have whatever you want. Death is unnecessary. But who are these masters that are imprisoning you and giving you this choice, right? Is it the devil that's tempting you, right? Is it, you know, the devil saying all this could be yours, right? Um, and it's your job to resist. Right. Um, I think, you know, right. and that might lead to some very strange places if they feel like what they're doing is resisting. I mean, it would definitely be, you would want to use the exec never or as little as possible. As little as possible, right. And you would... Uh... Yeah, you would be maybe maybe a devil type uh, theology is really important for this because um, you have to believe that something good is going to happen to you when you die, if right? If you're allowing and even encouraging death of your followers on a mass scale, then I think it's really incumbent on you to sell them um, a vision of of why that's okay. Um, and I think that's true. If you want to make it to heaven, you have to leave the constellation. And if you right. accept the temptations of the constellation, exactly. That's how die, we know the constellation is the work of the devil is that you never, by default, you never leave. And it's like, we've been trapped in hell. This is the, you know, the preacher talking. It's like we've been trapped in hell. Uh, but we've actually been given, um, part of the infernal design of this, this hell is that we've been given the tools to get ourselves out. And all we have to do, it's a little bit like Inception with, uh, you know, dying to get out of the dream. It's like the only thing we have to do is die. And of course, you can't prove that this is right because nobody's ever come back. But isn't that what would happen if this is how you got out, right? If this was the uh, the escape valve to heaven and we're all stuck in a kind of infinite purgatory until we choose to take ourselves out. I mean, I think that's a pretty powerful theology. I like that. Uh, I like that too. And it's going to be fun watching, uh, you know, Tim get initiated with yeah, hearing and all like this proselytized. Yeah. And it's, he's got to pretend like he totally believes it, but maybe we will give him voiceover so we can see he doesn't, but he's trying not to leak that information out through his face and his responses. And that's fun. Oh uh, man. I just love, uh, when you can like really contrast a voiceover with what's happening. Yeah. Uh I mean the 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 thing I always think of is uh like is Peep Show. I love that show oh, so yeah. much. But like yeah. um like there's like one particular scene with, with David Mitchell that I always think about where he's like at some kind of weird like new agey get together thing mm-hmm. where you have to like freak out and dance and like go nuts. Right, right. Uh huh. And like he's but there's like some girl he likes there. So he's like like outside he's like sort of freaking out and like forcing a smile and like doing all the wacky dancing that everyone's doing and he's like meanwhile inside you're keeping it all firmly in control <laughs> or something like in his voiceover and i just love that like 
I just, I just want to push that whenever we can. I just, I don't know. Yeah. There's something like all my favorite movies I realize have this like strong ironic contrast between like voiceover and uh, uh, like vi- what's visually happening. It's just something I really enjoy. Yeah. I think um, that's really something that makes voiceover feel like an addition and not like a crutch. It's a bit, it can add some irony. Um, anyways, that's a tangent, but, mm-hmm. uh, so he gets initiated and he's in this society. And like you said, this probably takes a few weeks. Um, and he's looking for a victim, maybe kind of yeah, deluding himself that he's maybe not going to go through with it, but he is sort of shopping for a victim. Which or is he's deluding himself m- that he's going to find to say. a worthy victim and it's going to be all okay. Yeah, but, but maybe that's not happening either. And we discussed the fact that, you know, it's a naturalist world. People die. People die of old age if they're actually following their religion. So there's going to be a place where the old and infirm go to die. Uh, there's going to be a hospital or a hospice care or something like that. Um, right. They might have, like, really good medicine, right? Because biology has advanced and... I don't know. They might allow themselves right. Well, and access even, to uh, that. Even if you're just limiting yourself to earth drugs, I mean, you know, uh, heroin's a hell of a drug. Like, you know, we have pretty good drugs. Um, so, yeah, the people in this, like, old age hospice facility or whatever it is, or, like, you know, um, elder care facility, they might be on very powerful uh, drugs, which, you know, maybe they, like, conjured an opium field and they made the heroin themselves or maybe they you know i don't know um but they're they may be on powerful drugs and they would be uh cared for until they die um uh, so yeah so yeah so that Tim would be... thought, might think that that's a good place to find a victim yeah i mean those are people that are on their way out anyways they they very clearly have chosen uh what they want and they're also they don't have a lot of time left uh, I mean, you could. And if they're on them, strong drugs, they can't fight back easily, potentially. So you know, yeah, you that's also true. And or they, uh, yeah, or they're like already so out of it that it's like they're barely there, anyways. I mean, there's a lot of like stories you could tell yourself. Um, right. I think that that's. I, I think we're not going to let him off that easy. I don't know. I mean, uh, right. I think we thought that those people might be pretty well guarded. They might be pretty revered because this religion really, you know, it, it respects the sacrifice of death in a way that the, the wider world, which doesn't deal with death anymore, probably does not. Um, I do think there's a little bit of, you know, possibly faux, uh, 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 you know, um, tribalism to this society too, right? Like I think, again, the aesthetics of somebody who would want to start a naturalist world, I think they would revere the pre-modern, the societies of pre-modern man, e- even if they didn't necessarily know that much about them. So I have a feeling that they might have, you know, elder respect and uh, and old age rituals, death rituals that harken back to either, you know, Viking funerals or Native American rituals or, you know, something. We can do some research and try to look for some, like, particularly fun stuff to for visuals. But, like, I think they would... I think there would be a perhaps total, not totally sincere uh, 
uh, you know, aesthetic preoccupation with death and with celebrating old age and celebrating death um, in a kind of, you know, in a way that they saw as being connected to the past and to, to, tra- to traditions of the past. And I suspect because of all those reasons, the place where all the old people are might be pretty well guarded or pretty well attended to. And therefore, uh, he might not think that he can actually get away with um, with killing a, a vegetative, you know, old person. Right. Yeah, that would be difficult. And uh, so that's one wrinkle. And then the additional wrinkle he has is he needs an observer. Right. I mean, he needs. Well, this has got to be part of the plan. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So we talked about this, I think, a little bit before. But what we're discussing is basically he's going to have to uh, figure out a way to get um, Zoya and the club rep that she's introduced him to into the world so that they can uh, bear witness uh, to the fact that he did uh, what he was supposed to do. Yeah. He has to prove it. Right. I mean, and he has to prove it and he can't. Yeah, he, he it's happening in this closed off world that people can't easily go to to verify things that happen. So, yeah, this is how he has to um do it. I mean, he could um you could take a videotape, but you would have to then get people into the world to see the videotape, which right. is like And you might also have to like make the videotape out of like iron or something. Right. Yeah. Cause like you can't conjure it. I mean, we haven't, we haven't nailed down exactly what the con- entrance contract is of this world, but my sense is that they strongly restrict what you can conjure with your exec while you're in the world. Um, so you would have, you know, you can't easily make a videotape with your hands. So you would have to sort of, you know, um, figure something out for that. You'd have to figure a workaround. Yeah. I think that that's right. I think, that there's also, I mean, let's see here. Um, well, it's funny because I I imagined, I think when we talked about this a long time ago, we might have figured that he did actually go through with it uh, because if he did that and he did find a way to videotape it, then he would just have to get Zoya and the club rep into the world to watch. Just long enough to watch the tape, which the is a kind video. of an easier job, right? Yeah. I think we talked about that. Uh, of course, that means that he literally commits murder. I'm not sure if we want... More recently, we've been talking about it like he doesn't quite get there. Right. Um, I mean, I do really like in the original story, I'm, the short story, which we've discussed a few times on the podcast before, I reread the ending just before today's talk, and I do really like the way that that final moment plays, but it is the final moment in the story, although it won't be in our version, um, where the twist is revealed and, and where, uh, he's a, it happens right as he's about to do the murder. So I, I think if we can keep that, I'd like to, I mean, I'm not, it's not a hundred percent like has to be for me, but, uh, I think, um, I, that, that is appealing to me just narratively and as a dramatic scene, I think it really works. Okay. So let's say there's no recording devices in this place. Yeah, the, that feels like ho- a, that feels like just aesthetically the right choice for these for these people to me too. The hospice area is too well guarded. Yep, there's not a ton of privacy, but he might have his own sort of little ho- hut or cabin or house that he's built at this point. Yep, 
Um, so he might have one private area he can retreat to, and or he might know of other private areas he could theoretically get to. If right, he there might be things. some hidden groves or like hermits who live on these. Outside well, yeah, there might actually be the something. wilderness, right? Yeah. Um, so he doesn't like weapons. Um, I guess are they hunting? Right, if they're hunting animals, then. There's probably actually a lot of useful weapons around, <laughs> right? Uh, right. That's an interesting question for the natural world. Like, did they create predators is a big question, right? So are there, like, wolves and stuff? I definitely think they're farming in this world for sure. So they might not need to hunt for food, but they might hunt for food just because it's an interesting job to do. Um, and they do need to eat food. Uh or well, they, they might, might wanna, be hunting yeah. um, uh, 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 vermin or, um, you know, wolves or something like that that screw up their farms. Um, but maybe those creatures were created, you know, to enhance the realism of the world and to make things harder for the people there as part of their, you know, religious belief. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, I like the idea that, like, only the high priests can conjure... Um, they do it by some like sort of arcane decision-making process where right, they right. internally they vote on it right. or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, at some point they could have, you know, willed uh, bison into being, you know, or some other like right. animal that you can slay for meat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, once in a while. Uh, so there, there, there might be something like that. I guess, you know, if that was the case, again, you would need spears and bows and arrow or even just rifles, right? So I don't know. Um, because, right. you know, he needs a... I mean, I guess otherwise you you definitely would have knives, I think, even just for farming or eating. Sure, sharp implements would be around if they're farming. And then, like, yeah, guns and ammunition, like, obviously that stuff can definitely be made uh, using just, you know, natural laws. Um including like gunpowder and, you know, stuff like that. Like all that can be made. Um, although I guess it's interesting to think of like whether or not they would have gone through the work of making that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I guess because it's sort of an ambiguous question, like their religion could decide multiple things that we, that gives us freedom, really. I mean, just what do we need for a story? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I, I think this can be fairly arbitrary. Like these are a bunch of random decisions that got made a long time ago. I think they just have to be consistent within our story. Like we just have to, whatever they are, we just have to stick to them. But I think they can be pretty, pretty random. They can like not make a ton of sense to an outside observer, actually. And I think it, it, that's that's not a deal killer, really. Okay, so let's, Maybe let's work from the one thing that we know has to happen, which is he's got to get uh, Zoya and maybe the senior club rep in there. Right. Uh, if he brings new people in, the only logical reason to bring them in is that they're these are new members. Look, look, I did. I I went out and I recruitment for the for the religion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to assume that there's an infrastructure to do that. That that's encouraged. Bring your bring your friends to the service and your right? family, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think especially if this is a world where most people don't leave very often, right? Because, oh, one thing we haven't said about this world, but we think this is one of those kind of worlds that has a defined in and out point, right? Like you have to go 
to the town square to leave the world or something like that. Yeah, well, that would be more natural if there was like a single exit to exactly. the town. Because they don't want people flitting in and out. It's not that you can't leave. You can leave and you can go to other towns. That's okay. I mean, everybody or ever other worlds, every, you know, most people are going to need to do that at some point. And I think they understand that. But they don't want people flitting in and out like uh, teleporting the way that uh, happens on modern worlds, you know, which is offensive to them. So they have like an elevator or something or a bus station or something like that that like you can go to and that's the place you can leave from. And uh, so that is one of the limitations of this world that we want to have them have. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so they're Zoya and the club rep are going to have to come in uh, via the front gate or whatever it is, uh, the mm-hmm. main the main portal, uh, and obviously. Uh, Tim can vouch for them, say, you know, these are, he can lie. He can say, these are my cousins, who knows? Um, and so they're going to be brought in and initiated, but we don't want that part to go on too long because they're not there to assimilate, right? They're just there to witness. So you got to assume that, uh, at this point, Tim has some sort of plan, uh, to follow through with the murder, but how is, how is he going to? get alone with those two new initiates and then also a victim right like that's the problem he has to solve and that we have to solve now um if that's if that's the precise setup right um right and i I think the initiates can be hiding or something like that but yeah it's really I mean, the most critical thing is, yeah, how is he going to get alone with the victim? Um, and we do need to figure that out. Um, I mean, one thing it could be is there, you know, we, we're going to see him get initiated, right? Right. So that, and, and that could be a very strange, weird process, like we said, like everything they do on this world is somewhat arbitrary. Right. And, you know, maybe it involves you get taken out to the woods, with the other people that showed up that day sure, uh, by like a single guide and that like guide, you know, stands in front of a waterfall and says some words or something. Right. Um, I mean, it's possible that it's something like that. And he's like, well, that's the perfect moment. The person I'm going to kill was the guide. Right? right. Right. Um, I just have to talk myself into going being there right because i'm the person i'm the family member that brought them in you're like the sponsor yeah and i think yeah maybe that's even something like maybe he gets sponsored by somebody or something so we maybe even see that process go out uh work its way out or like he like maybe he arrives there and you need a sponsor and he has to convince someone to be his sponsor and then you know he volunteers to be the sponsor for them and that's his plan for getting the guide alone yeah, that might be how it always works, or maybe or something. it's something slightly irregular that he has to That he has argue to convince for. them is a good idea. Right. I, I could go with that too. Yeah, something like that. Um So okay, let's just run with that for a second, because that kind of makes sense that you know they're outside of town in, in nature for the sure. naturalist initiation. There's a chapel in the you know, on the hill in the woods just outside whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so if that's the setup, 
then everything is set up uh, for him to do what he set out to do. And this is where we got to unveil the twist. Uh, Now, does he have a weapon? Does he have a knife? Does he have a hunting rifle? I mean, it could be any number of things. Does he just shove the guy off a cliff because he's standing on a, you know, a cliff face when he delivers the initiation rites? Uh, You know, who knows? But... um, we are a little a bit of a weird position, right? Because there's four people here. Uh, so, and again, the twist is not a secret, really, at this point. I don't think we've said this part. Well, of we the haven't twist, actually right? said this, I don't think. But I think you okay. will. You will have put this together if you've been paying attention by now, because as we've discussed, you know, Zoya is actually herself an initiate and has been now, you know leading him along the last two trials, which an initiate of the club, not the the, uh, naturalist one. Right. So, so, you know, because we've kind of gone with the idea that we're not lying to him about what the trials are, even though we could technically be lying to him, we're not, um, you should have put together at this point that Zoya has been tasked with the job of killing someone. And, uh, you know, what we are going to show as the twist is that as, Tim gets to the point where he is about to kill um, his intended victim. He himself gets killed by Zoya. That's right. Um, and it's if the way it plays out in the story is it happens before uh, the main character can go through with it, before Tim. Before Tim can have case. the chance to actually kill his victim, he gets killed first. And, uh, yeah, and it turns out that... Um, you know, Zoya has been uh, doing this all, like uh, leading him uh, along, uh, leading him on all along. Now, the weird thing about that, though, is this fourth person being present, right? Well, uh, what's this... weird about that? What do you mean? Well, it's not necessarily it. It, it it's an extra wrinkle, right? So, uh, so Zoya. At the you know it's the, it's the exact moment where like the guide uh, or the priest or whatever like turns his back and Tim says all right like this is this is this is it I'm gonna do it right and you know he aims his hunting rifle or whatever it is yeah and then at that mo- moment like Zoya shoots him in the back instead or something right uh, if that's you know I don't know if that's exactly how it plays out but if that's what happens then the uh the priest is going to spin around and be like, what was that sound? <laughs> and it's going to see Tim dead and it's going to see Zoya holding a rifle. Right. Um, we also have to a- deal with just to interject for a second. We also have to deal with how did Zoya get a rifle since she just arrived? Yeah. How did she get a weapon? I, um, I, I agree. And um, I think that I'm, honestly, I'm, Tim has to be somehow complicit. Like it has to be somehow Tim's fault. I think that she got a weapon. He needs there. There should be, I don't know exactly how that should work, but. No, I, I, I agree with that. But the, the, the weapon mechanics aside. Yeah. And I, I, I know that we do want, because also uh, what we're planning on doing at this moment um, is a pretty big twist. At this point, the, the audience has hopefully been kind of blindsided by the fact that, that Tim has been killed. Although they also might see that there's literally a lot of pages left in the book. So they might have, you know. Um, well, I guess that might make it even stranger, actually. Um, 
but where Zoya becomes the full on main character at that point. I mean, that's why we're developing her so much. So right, right. Now, we're trying to pull like a little bit of a psycho thing where like once he dies, then we can shift main characters and spend the last third or so of the book really filling in Zoya's backstory and and sort of completing her character's story. So we're focused on her now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we want to have this whole sequence where, okay, she's just committed a murder in a nationalist world. And now she has to escape through the one gate that we just finished describing. And that's going to be like thrilling right. and exciting. And if, if we go through, if we go to it through what you just described as being the murder, she's out in the middle of the woods with a priest who knows she did it <laughs> and is an elder in the, you know, maybe has conjuring abilities since he's a priest. Um, and she's also with her observer who's seen her do it. So now she's gotten, you know, she can get credit for it with the club, but only if both she and the observer managed to make it out. Right. Uh, both of them have to get out in order for her to get credit uh, for do- for having done it with the club. Yeah. And we're, we're starting her on the back foot in a way that I didn't like think was what we wanted to do. Right. Because originally I was imagining, you know, if she just kills Tim and the only other person present is the club rep then she still has to hide the body, sneak out, get to the gate, you know, what, whatever it is she's got to do. To, to, But now if she does it this way, and this is a problem you could see coming from a mile away, right? Um, then, she, yeah, she has a priest there. Even worse, like you said, if the priest has conjuring abilities, I mean, then she's then it's game over. So well, I think because you, maybe you her plan be- was that she was going to kill the priest too or something, but um, the timing doesn't work out, and... Uh, the priest gets away or is able to conjure a shield or something. And then, uh, you know, then there's like a race going on where the pr- the priest is going to go tell the other priests. They're going to rile up all of the people. The people are going to try to block the entrance to the bus station. She's out in the woods. They have to, you know, travel on foot or with whatever vehicles they have been able to steal. And, uh, then evade the people who are looking for them and get to the exit point. Um, all of which is hopefully exciting and fun to, uh, yeah, to but I, I don't know. So it doesn't sit right with me. Like her plan was to just kill the priest too. I mean, it just makes, I mean, it makes the first murder, which is such supposed to be such a big deal. Like that's what gets you into the club. Like, suddenly devalued is now she just like was planning to like casually murder an additional person. Like it also makes her extra evil. Like, um, there's something about that plan I don't like. And there's something about, it also seems like bad to have the priest like already on notice of what's going on. I don't know. There's something about the mechanics of that that don't feel right. Like, I feel like we, Need well, to, like, I mean, if you, if the argument is it makes her stupid, she should have seen through this, then maybe I I agree with that. So maybe she should have had a better plan for how she was going to um, get around the priest, and then somehow that plan doesn't work. But, but she uh, also doesn't have much of a plan because... The other thing is that it could not be... This could not be her plan, right? She could have had a plan to do this carefully, but Tim jumped the gun and decided to do his plan now and that forced her hand so then maybe she basically kills tim in order to save the priest and maybe she can even convince the priest that that's what she did which maybe buys her some time with the priest 
but then maybe there's another complication somewhere else or something. Um, oh, that's an interesting way to do it. I wonder if that's the way to do it. And then that it. way, it's not so much that she shoots him in the back. Like, he's about to shoot the priest, and she knocks him down, and they fight, and then she kills him or something, you know, in that version or something. Like, just to make it more, to make her story more plausible. Um, so it could be, uh, um, uh, he's about to kill the priest and you know he hesitates and not because he's you know a bond villain delivering a monologue but just because he doesn't really want to do it so sure. he's like kind of like i mean he's definitely like, i like, think on the edge for sure yeah. yeah he has like a moment where like the We're priest like fully his, had his back to him and he could have done it but like he hesitated and then the priest turned around and now they're looking at each other and he's just standing there with the gun and the priest is like, what's going on? And he's like, uh, uh, you know, he's just like frozen there. Uh, I could see that happening. And then that giving Zoya time to intervene in a way that like the priest would think now that Zoya has saved him, which I guess she has. I mean, that's not even. A yeah, no, claim. she's engineered it. She also put him in danger in a way. But yes, yeah, she has. She has really saved him in the moment. Although it's not clear how much engineering she's done, right? I mean, all we know for certain is that well, they at the got very least, she sent him off on this general path. At the very least, right, right. Yeah. But like, they got invited into this world that they may not have known what they were going to expect. Once right, they got it may in. have been Tim's plan to go to this particular world to kill this particular priest, but it's still like ultimately her her responsibility at some level. But yeah, I like the idea that. Um, I like that idea. I like the idea that she spins it as she has um, saved him. And maybe that uh, makes him into a temporary ally um, for for them to give them a little bit of an easier uh, time uh, getting out. Although I just think, still, still think we need to make that hard for them. I wonder also if that's like a good way to, because we, you and I were talking earlier about structurally how to put these flashbacks in, because we do want to see some of the other side of these scenes that we've been discussing um, as we've been outlining where Zoya is getting pressure either from her family or whatever to, um, to kind of go down this path. And uh, maybe it would be cool if, you know, he's about to kill the priest. Uh, the thing happens that you were just saying where the priest turns around, there's a moment of hesitation. Uh, she kills Tim uh, we don't know how the priest is going to feel about it. We don't know how anyone's going to feel about it. We don't get to see that. We cut away to some flashbacks. We fill in some story, flashback, flashback, flashback. You know, you're carrying that tension over of what's going to happen. Tim is dead. And then you come back to Tim's dead eyes and, you know, uh, you f she, you know, she diffuses the situation. She says, you know, I saved you or whatever. And then we go from there. Yeah, no, I, I do think that I am heavily leaning towards what you described in the sense that we've, we've really fleshed out a lot of, and we've been doing it over the last several episodes. So everyone knows what I'm talking about. Like what's the parallel story that's happening with Zoya and her parents and all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I, we've done all that work and I, I think we want to show it. So I do think like the time for a big, pretty full flashback is that moment like we've just shocked the audience uh with our main character dying well we've also uh, shocked them by saying like zoya's a villain and is capable of murder and now 
we're wondering what is she going to do about the priest and that other initiate who we don't yet know is her observer. So, uh, like, we kind of feel like... Oh, we don't know that? I don't think we would... We would, I, th- well, I assumed we. I, I assumed that we, we did because that Tim knows that. is a club rep, but like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm not actually sure that we even know that. We would, we may or may not even know that. I guess we'll, we'll we can figure that out later. But we know we know that he's like a boss to her or a senior to her. Yeah, we assume. I think if we know anything about this person, we know that it's like that other elder club rep, which like maybe you could put together. Oh, that must be her. Uh, she must have been pretending to be what he is to her. But we don't even necessarily know that. No, at this no, moment. no, not that whole dynamic. But, um, but, so we could be wondering, like, well, like, holy shit, like, what don't we know about Zoya? Like, what is she going to do with these people? And we, we then we jump into the flashback, and the flashback, like, the way it's structured, it gives you some insight into who she is and w- what she was struggling with all along. And then when it comes back, you know, she does the thing that that makes sense for her character. Now, um, now, hang on. The yeah. read on that moment, though, from an, the audience's perspective, is not necessarily going to be that, wow, like Zoya's more evil than we thought. They may have, the audience may have the same superficial reading that the priest has at that moment, where it looks like Zoya was like, no, this can't happen. This is wrong. I'm going to actually intervene and murder the murderer. <laughs> Right. right. Yeah, like, that's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I think we could play that up and it could be it could be not until you've seen all of the flashback. Like it could be way at the end of the flashback sequence when they actually say to her like you're just going to have to murder this guy Tim basically, <laughs> you know. And when we finally drop that that is in fact what she was there to do. And then that would right. Then that would reverse your opinion of it. Like you just saw it, you thought she might have been doing it to save the priest, or because Tim had gone insane, or or because she changed her mind about the the trial or something. But then you realize no, it's it's it was premeditated. And then you come back. To yeah, I, I that just that adds an extra layer, which I like. Yeah, that's I, cool. Weapon wise, I'm I, I'm the way I'm imagining it in my head. I don't, you know, there's more than one way to do this. Is that uh, Tim brought some kind of weapon? Maybe he had to improvise it. Maybe it's not like a gun, but it's like a crossbow or something. Like it's just I don't know. It's something he was able to build or yeah, smuggle. Sure. I guess if he smuggled it, he either had to hide it. Maybe he hid it in the woods ahead of time. I like the idea going. that it's something that can be used at a distance, like not a knife. Or a club. Yeah, it's ca- it's a cowardly weapon. But like a but like an out an arrow and a bow, or a crossbow, or a gun of some kind, like a slow loading like gun, and like whatever it is, he's like he's put it behind a tree by the chapel, uh, because it's probably too big to like openly carry right on the trek out there. Okay. So like he he scoops it up. And, you know, he aims it, but, like, he doesn't follow through with it. And I'm imagining, like, since Zoya wouldn't have a weapon, it seems like, like, and they could be in front of a waterfall or a cliff face. I don't know why I'm picturing that, like, or a ravine or some kind. I'm imagining she just, like, shoves him off the edge or something. Like, it's, I mean, it's cleaner that way in a way. I mean, Mm. because otherwise, like, how does she get the weapon from him? Or, like, how does she, you know what I mean? Yeah, I will have to think about that because I think there's something... Yeah, I think there's an opportunity there if it can somehow be his fault, but I don't have a pitch for exactly how that would be right now. Um, 
I mean, he hesitates. And I think, like, yeah, I don't know. I guess if there... That's kind of his fault. If it's a physical altercation and, like, it's only successful because she happened to... Like, he happened to position himself right in front of a cliff or something, I feel like I'm not sure I'd buy that, to be honest. I think that, uh, you know, first off... I mean, I guess it's like a sort of sneak attack, but I still feel like he'd probably I mean, she have could throw physical a big superiority rock at him, her. right? But you've only got like so many options if you didn't bring a weapon and you're right, in the woods. Right, Um And I mean, if you throw a rock at someone, probably you're just going to hurt them. Like, it's not that likely that you will knock them out. Um So then you'd have to have a follow-up attack. Like, that might be, that might be an okay start, but then you'd still have to have a secondary, I think, thing to do. Yeah, let, let, let's think more about that. I, I think that visually, I think I'm going to like it best if she can shoot him, but I agree that I don't know where she got a gun from, and I would want to make that make a lot of sense. Um, uh, so if I Yeah, that seems, it, like, that seems like nearly... A, the only way I can imagine solving the gun thing is if we do the version where the club w- has infiltrated the naturalist world at like the highest levels... Yeah. And like has a priest in their pocket and you know some version like that is the only way i can imagine her like literally having a gun that seems too far to me i i i feel like there are other options though um you know i think that it just depends on the world and the specifics of the world and where you might be able to get a gun in this world and if we can give her access to one of those places which i think is you know i think there's more than one way to skin that cat so i'm gonna think some more about it and I mean, know. I guess if, if, uh, I mean, the other thing I would buy, uh, is like Tim maybe in his like crisis of not being able to do this, like puts the, like the priest talks him down to the point that he literally puts down the gun and then Zoya can pick it up. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, that makes but sense like, to me. I don't love that. I feel like it makes more sense to me if, if he tells Zoya where the gun is and then she just takes it. But the problem with that is we want to have him go get the gun and point it at the guy and have that moment. So that's not going to work. Um, I mean, the only way it makes sense in my head is that like they, she just shoves him yeah. off something. Like, I mean, this seems like the easiest thing I can think of, but yeah, I mean, if there's another thing that makes sense, I, I, I'm going to keep thinking about that. I, I'm got to say that doesn't sit that well for me. That feels like just not a good plan on her part. And like, why well, it's is not a plan? It's, it's a, it's a seizing a moment. By... None, none, I, I don't think any I of guess, it is. Planned. Yeah. I guess I think at the end of the day, I think this does have to be a plan on her part. And I think I'm not going to, I think I'm going to have problems with anything. It's one thing if the plan goes wrong and she improvises a little, but I, I think I'm not going to have problems with something that had no solution thought out prior. I think that that's going to be an issue for me. And I think she can't really rely on her physical superiority to Tim in this naturalist world. I'm just not sure how she would plan it when, unless, so like to me, there's kind of like two big forking paths here, right? And maybe, maybe this is a good question to end the podcast on because we're getting late here Um, is you know, is this like very well planned because they've been tracking Tim and again, they probably have an inside person at the naturalist world and like they know exactly what to expect when they, when they get invited in 
and as such they have a lot of advantages and a lot of ability to plan and any number of weapons and things that they might need to have i mean i think there's that a lot of options there i think if it's the other thing where you know this is tim's plan and they literally just invited they were invited in by tim to witness um but meanwhile like zoya knows like what her instructions are um and she has to improvise like that's a different thing altogether um and there's like going to be pretty big limits on what she can do unless she's unless she's in the world for a while you know and like uh we draw that out like she's you know um yeah i can think of a few different ways to cut through that dichotomy i don't think it's as quite as black and white as you're as that i think those are the two poles but i think in between those things uh, the club can know about the world without them having tracked his every move, right? Because the club has access to lots of knowledge and, you know, they don't even have to personally have been there before for them to have access to knowledge about the world. So they could already be like familiar with the initiation rituals, for example. Uh, and that could just be research that the club rep does, the observer does for for Zoya. Um, I also think... Uh, you know, they, I, I don't know. I want them to be smart. I want them to have thought through how this was going to go at least after the point at which Tim invited them. Um, I don't think they need to have been tracking him the whole time or have like a lot of inside men. In fact, it could be kind of the opposite. Like this place could hate the club and could, it could be a real, um, it could be something that they really want to keep hidden. The fact that they are part of the club uh, to the people in this world, um, or something like that. Like, it, I think we could use that to make it harder for them, but I do think they're, I don't know. I think they should be well prepared for the moment that ultimately happens for them to be well prepared. Um, then if they don't have an inside person, then the only other thing I can assume is that they are there longer. Maybe they're even, they, they, uh, pledge their membership to the naturalist world at the same time. Uh, as Tim, instead of Tim going out there ahead of right, time. Right, right. So Tim, for example, one thing that we could do that is that idea is Tim could um, could see the observer as part of his initiate class. And he could even recognize the observer because maybe he's met the observer before, like we talked about, and and not, like that could potentially not not phase him. And then that person could have already been in the world. And then it would just be Zoya that he was um, getting in. But, like, why is that person in the world? Or, like, why wouldn't that phase him? I mean, it seems like that would be intensely interesting to him if he recognized I could think of any number of ways we could sell that. I mean, one way we could sell that is he's told them what the plan is, in which case he would assume that they're there watching him or something like that. Uh, Another way... We could play that is, um, you know, the the club, he could ask the club rep about it and the club rep could have a, a reasonable story such as like, you know, I come here to, to hunt people or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's obviously something they do in the club. Wait, so what? I, <laughs> I mean, he could go there because it's dangerous. I, I don't know. I, 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 he could have some reason why he goes there. Um, and then we could come up with one anyway. I don't know. I, I don't want to get bogged down in this. I think we're, we're coming down to the end of the, the episode yeah, I, today. I, I, um, I have a pitch forming, but I'll save it, I guess. Yeah. 
uh okay you know, yeah i think let's let, write write the pitch down so you don't forget it and let's talk about it next time um i think that yeah i think we have to decide how much they know and how long they've been there at the moment that the murder thing happens uh but even if they have not been there very long i guess the one thing I do want to say is I don't think it's I think if they know about the world, they don't necessarily have to have been there to be well prepared. So I do think there are ways to solve this problem that don't involve them planting themselves earlier. Although I don't think it's, I don't know what those are, but it, I think it has everything to, to do with I'll, I'll explain to you what it means in the abstract. It has everything to do with um, them already knowing what's going to happen in terms of the initiation ritual and us designing that initiation ritual to benefit them in some way. So since that's arbitrary and we can do whatever we want with it, then, you know, if it's three days where you're forced to be on your own in the wilderness, then during those three days they can fashion a murder weapon or whatever. If it's, you know, whatever it is, it just has to be what Tim went through and they have to already know about it. And then that should give them enough uh, uh, to have an advantage as long as we're willing to just change what that is to be something that's useful to us. So I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of pro- possibilities there. I don't think it's um, that obvious what the right one is. So let's keep thinking about it. And next time we can uh, solve this problem and move into um, Act 3 and Zoya and the observers escape from nature. We're getting close. We're getting close to the end here. So Yeah, that's uh, the last big push. And then uh, once we get through that, uh, then we will talk about uh, writing a script. Next yeah, maybe like actually writing words on paper, like dialogue. <laughs> speaking words. of, yeah, we have some yeah. words, but they're uh, yeah, that's true. It's still, it's still abstract. We're getting less and less abstract as we go closer and yeah, closer. Slowly but surely, like the tortoise. All right, that's how it is. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Yes, for thanks listening. for being with us. This has been Constellation making the graphic novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.